I'm Quinn Murphy, and this is In My Chair. I mean, I'm going to, I can't wait to tell everyone that you had an 11 year old computer. <laughs> I know, right? Just I'm, like us, Katie Lee has an outdated <laughs> laptop. I'm very green. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Oh my gosh. Katie Lee was. Re- oh. Ryan, I Ryan. Is he? Yeah. This is about me, not you. Ryan, I don't know if you know what movie that's from. Um, I do, but I can't think of it right now. Pretty Woman. Did you get it? You oh. didn't get it. How did either? I'll get over you. That was I Pretty Woman. Yep. Pretty Woman was Roy Orbison doing Pretty Woman. Yeah, yeah. No, but in the in the movie, remember it's like the opening. Oh. When when they're driving through L.A. Oh, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen that movie in a while. I watch it every time it's on TV. Do you guys role play and he's Richard Gere and you're Julie <laughs> Roberts? <laughs> no, no role play. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right. Katie Lee was raised in a modest, tight-knit family in West Virginia. She began cooking with her grandma at the age of four. Today, she is the co-host of The Kitchen on the Food Network, and the show's been nominated for multiple Emmy Awards. She has also hosted Beach Bites with Katie Lee on the Cooking Channel and many other programs and TV segments. Katie Lee's cookbooks include Endless Summer Cookbook that has the best low-fat, low-point uh, key lime pie ever, and uh, The Comfort Table, and... Her fourth cookbook, It's Not Complicated, is coming out March 23rd. Katie Lee lives in the West Village of New York City and the Hamptons with her husband, who we just heard, rescue dog Gus, and four-month-old baby girl Iris. Katie's philanthropy includes being a board member of the Food Bank for New York City and the Ambassador for 96 Elephants and the Wildlife Conservation Society. Katie also enjoys watching The Real Housewives on Bravo and all of the Hillstone restaurants, every single one. Please welcome Katie Lee in my chair. Hi. Hi. I'm doing jazz hands right now, even though no one can see me. (laughs) What do you call your grandma again? (laughs) Well, I call her grandma, but people, we call her sometimes, uh, we called her Meemaw or Mama. Because that's what, that's what Appalachians call their grandmas. I learned that when I read that book, um, Hillbilly Elegy, what they uh were from West Virginia. And there's also Peepaw and Pawpaw for grandmas. so funny. Did you think that (laughs) book was pretty accurate? Um, yeah, I mean, yes and no. I went to school uh, with a lot of kids who I I think would fall into what that book described. So um, yes and no, there were there were parts that I felt like I could identify with and, and parts not so much. Yeah. Did you see the movie? I didn't see it yet. Oh, it got Glenn some Close. bad reviews. It, you know what? It wasn't perfect, but Glenn Close is so good. It was just worth it to watch her. Well, you know, Quinn, I get to watch very little TV right now because of my uh, my my queen, oh, Iris. Your side project? Uh-huh. My, <laughs> so when I do get to watch TV, it's something real trashy. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I want my housewives. I want all of that. Um, although, have you watched Breakerton yet? 
No. Oh, Clint. I don't even know what that is. How do you not know what Brickerton is? That's like the the biggest. Oh yes, right yes, now. yes. Shonda Rhimes. Yes, the net on Netflix. You gotta watch. Yeah, it. no, I, I want to watch it. It's like um, colorblind casting, and it's kind of like mm-hmm. a old British, like soap opera ish kind yes, of. Yes, it's very sexy. Yeah, my mom was watching it and said that it was like the perfect respite between the election and COVID, and just like when you want to turn on the TV and not watch something depressing. It's exactly what we need right now. Yeah, I watched it on my iPad holding the baby while she would nap. I binged that show. <laughs> I thought you were talking about a new reality show, and I was like, no, I haven't heard of this. Oh, um, God. I have to say, so you, I don't have that many friends. Well, I was going to say in general, but also in the, <laughs> we're both been in the Hamptons <laughs> during COVID. You're like my one friend out here. And uh-huh. you were the first person during all of this that I actually saw from a big distance. But, um, you know, I think I was in, I think you came here the first time I saw you. You were in your car and I was like 20 feet away. And it was like family. It just felt like I I haven't been around anybody I know. I hadn't seen any family. And to see you, it was just like, it it was one of those things that was so good and then made it worse when you left, I felt. I know exactly what you mean. And you all were some of the only people we saw. And, And just so everybody out there listening knows, when we say we saw each other, I stayed in the car and you and Jean-Pierre were, like you said, like 20 feet away outside. So we were very separate and we both wore masks. Yeah, of Uh, course. You're the most cautious person I know during uh, COVID because you were pregnant for. I I have been so ultra cautious. Sometimes when I'm on Instagram looking at people in St. Bart's in Mexico, I feel like I'm in my own little uh, self-inflicted punishment. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's another story too, though. Like some people need to just stay home. Just stay home. Yeah. Stay home. But you now love... Not well, you always love staying home, but now you love, really love staying home. I love staying at home. I mean, I really have not had like a huge problem with having to stay home in the last year. Um, I joke that I started quarantine before anybody else, like last January when I first started hearing about COVID. Uh, my stepdad's a doctor, he was telling me, Oh, you know, by April, it's gonna really be here, and hundreds of thousands of people will have it and everything. I started buying toilet paper and Clorox wipes and everything last January. I was ready. Uh, I I know. Because you and Jean-Pierre bonded over that because Mm -hmm. he was the Mm -hmm. only person I knew who was like, it's big, it's bad. And I was kind of like, what? I didn't know enough about it at that time. So how how long before... Uh, co, you know, let's say, cause I think everything shut down like mid March. How long before that did you know you were pregnant? I found out I was pregnant on new year's Eve. Oh my gosh. And yes. And then I got the flu in January and it was such a terrible flu and couldn't take anything because I was pregnant. And later I wondered if it was COVID, but I did test positive for flu back then. And I, I tested negative for COVID antibodies, but um, it was such a bad flu that I was so ultra cautious after that, because I thought I just do not want to feel sick again. Um, So I stopped taking taxis and Ubers in New York. I was driving myself everywhere and then wiping the car after the garage attendant would get in like i i was nuts ahead of the curve yes i was i was nuts you should see what's happening here at my house right now ryan's trying to change iris's diaper 
and he just <laughs> farted and he's laughing. And so. It's a good old time. You guys yeah. should have the next Bravo show. That would, I would like that. It would be really boring. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Katie, 1 p.m. and I'm still in my pajamas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Join the club. I put on sweatpants at 5 p.m. yesterday and thought, well, at least I'm not like a loser who doesn't at all. Oh, my God. So when you you did you have a when you found out you were pregnant on New Year's Eve, did you have a was that like a home test or a doctor's appointment or? Um, Well, I had been doing IVF. And so I had been getting blood tests since I had gotten my embryo transfer. And then every couple of days was getting blood tests to monitor my progesterone levels and mm-hmm. to know, cause you have to continue giving yourself shots even after the transfer to keep your hormones level. So and I was you would going do that every, to yourself. Yes. Wow. So I was going every couple of days to get my blood tested. We were actually in Florida staying with my um, husband's parents and I had was going to a quest diagnostic down there and, and getting my blood tests and they'd send it back to my doctor in New York. And then they test the HCG level once you're at a certain amount of time, which is the pregnancy hormone. And, uh, I went for, I I saw that the doctor's office had called me and I knew they were going to tell me yes or no. And so I went for a walk by myself and, um, called her and she told me I was pregnant. And I, I just was, I remember being so surprised. And then we flew home that day. That was, wait a minute. You found out on a walk and what happened when you saw Ryan? I went back to the house and told him and, and, uh, we didn't tell his parents because we, it was so early, right. Um, to not tell. So then we flew back to New York and we went, it was New Year's Eve and we went and had dinner at San Ambrose and, Mm. And it was just like a, a one. I'll always remember that, that that dinner was being so special for me because we had something to really celebrate. And who, we had no idea what 2020 was going to bring, but right. um, it did bring us the best gift ever. Aww. Yeah. And you were sober on New Year's Eve. <laughs> and I was sober on New Year's <laughs> Eve. The mean trick of this whole thing is I had to stay sober through all of, of quarantine. So wait, Katie, how long were you doing IVF for? Uh, we did it for about a year. I, I did four rounds. Um, and I I feel like I was lucky to be able to do four rounds in a row because it is expensive. And I know a, a lot of people that I talk to online, I get a lot of DMS from women going through it can maybe only afford to do it once or so it's never covered by someone's like health insurance. Very rarely covered by health insurance. A, a few different people I know have, have had it covered or maybe they will cover your blood tests, but I didn't have anything covered. Can you can you share like the general range? Because I don't even know like what what is like the low or the high range for going through IVF. Um, you know, I don't know what the low range is. Um, I'm sure it's probably it, it could. I mean, it's kind of all over the place because you never know how long your cycle is going to be either. Right. Like I had cycles that would be eight days, and then I would have ones the the last one that I had. Normally, it's anywhere between like 10 and 14. My last one with Iris was 16 days. So it went really long. Wow. So it's just always all over the place, but it it can be very expensive. And then you're paying for your anesthesia, your hospital visit, everything. Um, And I was actually just listening this morning to this um, 
French, uh, this book on this woman um, who had a baby in France and she was talking about considering IVF and there you get six rounds covered. Of right? course. It's, I mean, we get nothing women in, in the U S and, and they probably uh, I, get time off once they have the kid paid and everything else too. Right. I, I just think that it should be something that is covered by health insurance. So I, I find it really ridiculous that it doesn't cover anything. So did you, what, I mean, so you had four rounds was, did you, did it get easier because there has to be a certain amount of anticipation and then kind of, I don't know the word, is there disappointment or let down or definitely, I mean, it's a huge emotional roller coaster. And for me, it did get easier as it went on because my expectations lowered the first time I did it. I thought, well, okay, I'm just going to do IVF and I'm going to have a baby and I'll have all these extra embryos too for the, if I want to have more babies, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, that's not the way it happens. Um, but I, I think what happened for me, and I've heard this from so many others is you get obsessed with the numbers because when you first go in your first appointment, they'll say, okay, you've got 14 follicles or you have 18 follicles and each one of those has the potential to make an egg. Okay. And so you think, Oh, I'm going to, I remember that first appointment leaving and being like, I have 18 follicles. Like I'm going to (laughs) have as many babies as I want. 18 babies. (laughs) Yeah. But I'll be like the Duggars. Um, But just because there's the follicle doesn't mean by the time, every time you go in, it keeps getting lower and lower and lower. And just because you get an egg doesn't mean it's going to be a good egg. And just because it fertilizes doesn't mean it'll turn into a blastocyst and, and then into an embryo or that you'll get it transferred and it will take. So it just keeps going down, down, down. And I think you every time you go in, you get more stressed out, more stressed out. Oh, my, and numbers are getting lower and lower. And so finally, you, I just really let it go. My my friend who had also gone through it, she had done it several times, said to me, stop thinking about that. Remember, it just takes one. Mm. doesn't matter if you have five, 10, 25. One is what you need. And that really became my mindset. And I, I got my one. Oh. And, she, and she's the one. <laughs> Do you think as she is? She's so cute. Do you think that letting go affected positively affected your chances of of having it work, like mind yeah. body or just? I, I don't want to say that because I I hated so much when people would say to me, "Oh well, when you stop trying, it'll happen," and you're thinking okay. about it too much, and it's like it's impossible. <laughs> right. And, and I, I think you just have to keep at it. And if you're trying and it's not working for you, just keep doing it. And I was really of the mindset that I was going to do it until it happened. You never thought, Oh, I have to make a plan B for if this doesn't happen. I wasn't at that point yet. No, mm-hmm. but I, I would have, if it hadn't happened, I would have come up with something else. And now Okay, here's my question, because I don't have kids, and I, I mean, never say never, but I'm really probably not going to have kids. But how, doesn't it seem like your life is now clearly in two parts? It's B.I. before Iris and after Iris? <laughs> Absolutely. It's like, I don't even... It, it, I don't even recognize my old life. Um, It's just brand new. It's like everything started over the moment I had her. And 
I know it's so cliche about how much you love when you become a mother, but I just love her so much. I cannot believe the the feeling of it. Like you um, can compare it to someone who doesn't have kids. Like there's nothing like it. Yeah, but I, and again, I I never liked when people would say to me, "Oh, you don't know love until you have a child," because I don't think that's really fair either. I think there's just different types of love, right? And so, um, a mother's love is different than a romantic love or a love. Uh, I I love my dog so much. It's different than the love I have for my dog. Um, it's different from the love I have for my mom or for my best friend. It's just a different love, and it doesn't mean that you don't know love if you haven't had a child. Right. Do you think that it happened for you at the right time in your life? I do think so. I would have, I I'd love it if Ryan and I were 10 years younger. Explain <laughs> uh, that. So, so we're both 39 and, uh, I think like, oh gosh, if Iris waits to have a baby until the age that I had one, I'll be about 80 when I have a grandchild. So I, I wish I was 10 years younger or 15 years younger, but I wouldn't have wanted to have had a baby then because it right. wouldn't have come with Ryan and it wouldn't have been Iris. So I, I guess we all just wish we were younger, don't we? Well, yeah, I was going to say, I wish I was 10 years younger just based on vanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of vanity, Quinn, I feel like uh, when they say uh, when you have a daughter, it sucks the beauty out of you. I feel like that's happening to me. Oh, uh, right. And I, I, I need a Botox appointment in the worst way. Like, I can't wait to be able to go get a facial and Botox. I mean, yeah, your worst way is like, like not even immortal, you know, you're still oh, like, stop. Oh my God. Uh, I, I, when I first met you, we were doing a job. Um, and actually funny enough, I think it was for the 96 elephants. It uh, was. Yes. Yeah. Was which wildlife is conservation. such yeah. a cool organization. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just remember, I thought two things when I looked at you, I thought you were one of the like prettiest women in real life. Like when you real? see you in person. Yeah. Because some people are, you're obviously very photogenic and all of that, but I just thought in real life, you're like, wow, if you walked into a bar, like, uh, heads oh, would turn. That's so nice. Thank you, yeah. Gwen. And I also thought that you look like Allie McGraw, <laughs> which I'm sure <laughs> I, you've heard. I, since I was about 12 years old, I've gotten that at least a couple times a week. <laughs> oh my God. But you know, you're also, I guess that I'm going to say it because it might come across rude, but I think your mom might be even more beautiful. Oh, that's nice. She would love hearing that. (laughs) I mean, it's hard to say, but your mom is is also like, you know, it kind of makes you sick. And then, of course, you ended up with Ryan. So it's like, really. I think my mom's so beautiful, too. Yeah, Ryan's hard to look at. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate that he he looks how he does. Do you consider yourself good looking? I mean, what kind of question is that, Quinn? (laughs) Sometimes, I mean, like, it's not like, are you conceited, but... Oh, I'm, I'm confident. I'm, yeah. I'm happy with the way that I look. Yeah. So how do you think about when, as a woman, as a chef on TV and in the public, like how much do you think that your looks have, have helped or hindered you or do they not, is it not a factor in your life? Um, I, I think that for me, when it came to uh, my career and in, in cooking and food, what uh, worked against me is people didn't really believe that I ate because I was thin. Oh, I can uh, tell you that that is not <laughs> true. 
Yeah, I yeah, but a go lot. on. Um, so people would kind of brush me off, and that wasn't the case. And I I've been lucky just genetically that I'm on the thinner side, and I worked really hard at exercising because of vanity, <laughs> and I, yeah. I liked. I liked skinny jeans as much as I liked pizza. Uh, now I don't care as much as since I've had a baby. I know it's only been four and a half months since I did. Um, but I, I'm i up about two, sometimes three pants sizes. I'm only up 15 pounds. I didn't really realize that I would go up that much in my pants size. But maybe it's that my body shape actually changed. Um, but I care less about it now. But anyway... In a way that you haven't before. Yeah, I've never felt yeah. like this before. Of, of, uh, you know, I want to, I want to lose weight, not because I want to look like I did before I had a baby. I want to bounce back. No, I just, I have a closet full of really nice clothes that I would like <laughs> for them to fit again, and right. not have to buy all new things. And I want to feel healthy, and I want to feel strong, and and be a good role model for her. Yeah, totally. I mean, have you? So you so Iris is about four months old, right? Yeah, she's four and a half months old. When did you and start to think about like you know maybe exercising or eating healthy or have you? Um, so I probably started in November. I I had her in September. I started using the WW app, um, which I know that you are a WW fan. I am. Uh, uh, formerly Weight Watchers, if anybody doesn't know what WW is. Uh, and I actually started working with them after that. And now I'm a, a WW um, member of the fa- family member, I should say. Um, and I really like that because I can just put it in the app and kind of have more flexibility because I, I love to eat. I love food. I feel like it's a pleasure that you get to have multiple times a day and there's no reason to uh, have to starve yourself. And I really like their, uh, all the zero point foods with the vegetables and fruits. I can just really fill up on that, which is kind of the way that I always ate. My grandma for being a West Virginia cook, she was in great shape and she always said to make your plate 75% vegetables and then the rest of it the other stuff yeah that is very ww actually yeah and she read a book if you ever heard of fit for life no it's an old 80s book but it's still if you read it it still really rings true and that was one of their big principles in fit for life was filling up on vegetables and I like to eat mass quantities, so I'll make like a giant, <laughs> <laughs> giant salad. And Wait, a metal let me mix interrupt salad. you. She really does. I mean, I don't know if this is PC to say anymore, but Katie eats like a two hundred pound man <laughs> and always eating it. It makes you so upset because you're like, God damn, like why? <laughs> but you did work out really hard, I will say. But like, still, I worked out so I was working still, out an hour and a half two hours a day for uh, there for a while when I was hosting beach bites and I had to be on TV in a bikini. I worked out like a mad woman. Yeah. Uh, but you also like indulge. Totally. Yeah. I, I want to have ice cream. I, a life without carbs is just not in my, I, like that just oh, sounds awful. I can't imagine giving up but bread. For me, I mean, not to make it about me, but I had, I started getting um, high cholesterol. It's just kind of genetic. 
Mm-hmm. And it went way, and actually Weight Watchers, it went down. So I mm-hmm. I did it because I, I actually needed to learn how to eat. Not, I haven't really struggled with my weight uh, more than like just your garden variety gay guy. You know, it wasn't like a yeah. big deal, but you're always kind of focused on it. Um, but it actually taught me, I was like, I don't even know what is what and what's good or what's not. And the day I downloaded the app, I was, I was over my points in like, uh, the first meal. And so I deleted it. <laughs> like two weeks later, I was like, okay, let me try this again. And I did, I did it um, until COVID and it definitely, I'm going to go back, but you know, it was like, um, it works. It, it just it, keeps it you accountable. You it. Yeah. It's like keeping your own little food diary on your phone through that app. And you can look at it and go, well, am I being really honest with myself here? And kind of check yourself. The other day, I ate a bunch of potato chips and I didn't want to put them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought, who am I hiding this from? It's right. just myself. The other thing that's fun to do with the app is just to like look up like what is the fat? Like you look up like those like 42 ounce margaritas from like Chevy's or whatever. And you're like, oh my God, that's a week of points or a carrot cake. I remember do you remember any food that you were shocked that you were like, how can this be so many points? I saw a smoothie on there the other day that was 21 points. And yeah. I thought, oh my gosh, I could never give up 21 points for a smoothie. No, I focaccia. I was shocked. I don't know. You just, <laughs> things that you think about. I so, get a lot of points though, because I'm breastfeeding. So I get, I get 52 points a day. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you I still burn lose, an extra lose weight. Five hundred calories. Wow! Yeah. So yeah. you're just going to be breastfeeding for like three and years. Iris is going to be going to school and having to come home for an after school snack. <laughs> that is so funny. So do you have? Do you do things on social media for um for like to track your progress? Do you have to be public about it? No, and it's not saying anything needing to lose weight or anything like that. It's just about being. Uh, wellness more um thinking about like the app has your sleep it has your activity tracker all of that uh so i will be posting on social media showing what i'm eating i post recipes i've got a few on there already and on the ww site for my cauliflower alfredo i've got a great um, mediterranean shrimp cheat sheet meal uh, we're really into cheat sheets. Do you do that where you do the sheet pan supper? Everything goes on the sheet pan and in the oven. No. Well, I don't I cook, really like but that. that's why our well, friendship is so good. Cause Katie wants you to come to her house and she'll entertain you and cook for you and you can do whatever you want. It's like going to your favorite aunt's house. who was like the aunt who'd like had all the candy and everything. And I like to eat and I'm so lazy that it just works. <laughs> I'll come perfect. to you and, I, and I you can serve even- me. Even pre-COVID, I didn't like to leave my house. So no. I always was happy to be the hostess. Oh, and now that you have Iris, I've I said to Jean-Pierre, I was like, we're only going to see her at her house from now on. <laughs> Try getting her out of the house. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, okay. So you're a public figure. You're sure you have tons of opinions about everything. We had an election this year. We have, you know, um, COVID and all this stuff. How do you decide what you're going to put and share about your life? on social media. Do you have rules about that? I think of it kind of like dinner party conversation Mm -hmm. with, with people you're friends with, but maybe not best friends with. Right. So there are things that I would sit at a dinner and talk to you and Jean-Pierre about, but maybe not with people that I 
have only met a couple times. So I kind of think about it like that. And and why also, why is that the parameter for you? Um, I maybe it's just from hosting so many dinner parties. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's just my comfort level, and I I just I think of it as a conversation with people that I'm just getting to know and connecting with, and mine's mostly about food and. Um, life and just kind of lifestyle, I should say, not, yeah. not life. Um, so it's more like about, say, like building a home life. Um, well, it, it's, I, an, it's an app, right? It doesn't have to be like the rep, the mere representation of who somebody is. Right. Like people can right. use there, it how they want. I, there's a lot of things that I keep off of there. And then a lot of things that I probably overshare with. I don't put iris's face really on my instagram because because i just i feel like children are probably safer to not be on it yeah and i also feel like it's her choice someday whether or not she is public on instagram and i don't want to have posted a picture of her going to the bathroom and she'd be mad at me when she's 10 years old totally we're at school someone's like i saw you you know taking a shit right yeah right exactly well plus i don't know what the other than like getting some people saying how cute she is i don't know what you would get what she would get out of it right right Right. exactly that makes sense to me and we share our pictures with everybody who we love yeah like me, I keep I get them like one I get I love my my updates. Yeah. (laughs) Do you ever think about like what you would put up or what you what you don't that like, you know, you don't want to alienate people? Because you're a public figure. It's like how do you draw how I guess you said it that it would be like a dinner party, but you have a big you food is kind of inner like cuts through any political, any kind of thing. It's like everybody loves food. And so I imagine you have a wide range of, of followers on there. I do. I have a really wide range of followers and I have posted some politics light, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and I get messages that people get really upset about it, but it's who I am. And it's not hard to figure out by looking at my social media that I voted for Biden and I was really happy to vote for Biden. Right. Uh, you can look on there and, and pretty much tell that. Uh, but I didn't do a lot of post about politics just because like I said, it's like my dinner party conversation, but I'm not afraid to alienate somebody. I believe what I believe and that's who I am. And if you don't like me for it, that's your choice. And if you don't want to follow me because I follow Joe Biden, then that's your choice. Right. I think that you've done a really good job of, of that. Not every, you don't have to agree with everybody. As long as it's not offensive, you don't have to have the same alignment as the people you follow. Right. And I'm, trying to actually think about that more these days. I've, I felt like watching Biden's inauguration speech when he talked about unity and needing to come together in this uncivil war that we're having. I, I want to be more accepting of other people's beliefs as well that I disagree with and not that I have to agree with them, but I'm, I don't want to just write somebody off about it. And I have a lot of family members who I, don't agree with their politics, 
but I still love them. And so we have to start thinking about like, what can connect you to somebody that you disagree with? Ryan and I were talking about this the other day. Well, maybe you both like cheeseburgers, maybe one of you, then that's the only thing you have in common, but you have something in common. Right. And, and we have to just stop being so um, divided and, and just, you find out somebody doesn't believe the way you do and you go, Oh, well, I, I don't want to talk to them. And that's not going to get us anywhere. Do you think that, that there is a way to, to get uh, back uh, as everyone feeling at least that they're a part of the, the same team that's called America? I hope so. I don't know what it is. I don't know how we get back to that, but it has just gotten so just, I, I don't even recognize it. And I, I do feel a lot of hope right now. I feel like that we're turning a corner. I just really hope people can come together. I think Biden's done an, actually a really great job. Uh, way better than me. I'm like angry. And he's like, I'm everyone's president. I, I think it's been kind of inspiring to watch him try to bring people together. I agree. And I'm inspired by that to think if he can say I'm everybody's president, we have to be able to, I, what I took away from the whole thing was just think, love thy neighbor, love thy neighbor and wear a mask. Right. And that's that. Exactly. Did you feel because you had uh, Iris during the pandemic, I felt like from being your friend that there were a lot of things we couldn't do for you, you know, as a, you know, we didn't have like the baby shower or any of that stuff. How was that for you? It was obviously really different and not how I had imagined pregnancy, but I was so happy to be pregnant that I didn't really care. Yeah. And I didn't get sad about it. I wasn't, what was me. I was just focused on staying healthy and enjoying myself in the way that I could. And I really did enjoy my pregnancy. I'm like one of those people that say say that they love to be pregnant. (laughs) Loved it. (laughs) You didn't have like the sickness or any of that. I got really sick in the beginning. I had some a couple weeks of really bad morning sickness, and then I was fine. And I ate whatever I wanted. I laid around and watched TV. I enjoyed every moment. I laid in the sun and tanned. I did it all. (laughs) <laughs> That's amazing. And now you're able to still work from home. Right. I've been able to work from home since this began, which I feel so fortunate for. I've been filming the kitchen from home and my husband's a producer. So he's been able to do all of my filming and set up my microphones and lighting and everything like that, which as you know, from me just trying to be tech savvy enough to do this podcast <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> with your 11 year old laptop. Um, yes. <laughs> you love to cook. And then now you're, you know, obviously you've been on TV for a while. Is that like, cause I feel like do, I can do makeup. And then also when you're on TV is a whole nother th- thing to, to walk and chew gum at the same time. How did you get into that? I love doing TV. I just really enjoy it. I think maybe because I love watching TV so much mm. that, <laughs> that uh, I started doing it. It's been, gosh, I don't even know how long I've been cooking on TV now that I think about it. At least 15, 16 years, something like that. Wow. And, what was your first yeah. show? What was your break? Uh, 
my first show was Top Chef. I hosted that show the first season, and then I got fired uh, oh because because it was my first time on TV, and I probably should have never been hired to do the job. <laughs> How did you? Okay, wait. I want to hear that. That show is so big now, but like, I don't think were people watching season one of Top Chef? Was it a hit? I guess. I mean, it got a second season, so it must right. have done. But Bravo, it's a Bravo show. Bravo, I don't feel like was as big as it was then as it is now either. No, no. I mean, Bravo has become such a huge network now with Real Housewives and with Top Chef and with so many other shows they have. How Um, did you get on the show? Did you have to audition? No, I got an email one day that said, we produce Project Runway and Project Greenlight. Would you be interested in reading to host our new show, Top Chef, because I, I was, um, I had a food blog. This was back like dinosaur days of food blogs just starting. I didn't even know what a blog was when I started it. And I thought, well, this is interesting. And I Googled and they were real people. And so I went to Rockefeller Center to NBC the next day and went in a little room and read for the hosting job. And two days later, I was on an airplane to San Francisco to host the show. And but were you a host or a? I'm sorry, I have to admit, I've, I have not watched Top Chef. Were you a host or a judge? I was a host. I was okay. the host. Okay. Yeah. And I was way too young and green and had no experience. And it came through. <laughs> I mean, there was nothing authoritative about me whatsoever. I was so nervous. The first person that I had to eliminate, I felt so bad about eliminating them that my microphone picked up my heartbeat. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so I felt terrible. And the guy was really mean and scary who I had to eliminate. Oh no. And so I just remember being so nervous. It just was, it was not the right vehicle for me. And you were not trying, Simon Cowell. No, no. And trying to be cold and authoritative. It just, it wasn't right. So when they fired me, I was very disappointed because no one likes to be fired, but it it wasn't the right fit for me. At the time, when you when you say fired, it means they didn't ask you back for season two. Right. Andy like called mid-season. me and said, <laughs> no, Andy called me and said, we're not going to have you back for season two. Oh, <laughs> but he was like, like the other housewives, you can say that it's, you just want to focus on your family and do other things with your life when we all know they were fired. We decided to go our separate way. It was a mutual decision. Yeah. <laughs> it was not mutual. Could you it you would have done a, another season of it? Yes, I would have. Yeah. Of course. And then, But I'm, I'm glad that it worked out the way that it did. I know that this was how it was supposed to be. Did you know that then? No, and it took me seven years to get another show. People thought that that was my personality. And and do you think that it was edited that way too, or it was just you were like a deer in headlights? I was a deer in headlights, and I was also told to be cold and and try to be an authority. And you and so you were attempting to. I do wasn't that. an actress, <laughs> right? Right. So I'm I'm interested to know because I think a lot of times people who. This is my observation about, you know, I kind of, um, I call myself fabulous adjacent. Like I work with people who are really (laughs) fabulous. I'm not, but they are. And 
I'm always interested in how people who are at the top of their field deal with um, rejection and and situations like being fired because I think there is a through line with the with the difference between people who come out on the other side and people who give up. Can you speak about like how have you were you just like okay got to get up and keep going or did you feel sorry for yourself or I allowed myself to feel sorry for myself for a couple of days. That's and it. that was it. Mm-hmm. And then what did you tell yourself? That there'd be something else. Okay. And I just had to work for it and get it. And it never crossed my mind that I couldn't make a success of myself by, by doing either that or, so, or something else. I, right before the kitchen, I was starting to think I was going to try something else. I uh, had gone to LA at, I was planning to go for a month and I'd been there probably three weeks. I was thinking of moving there. I I really, I always loved writing. I was a journalism major in college and I was thinking of starting to write and see if I could do screenwriting or that type of work out there. And it, I'd been there, like I said, like three and a half weeks. And my, my friend who's an agent called me and said, there's this show for food network. And I really think that you should come in and come back and read for it. And I said, I'm not coming home. I've been trying to get a show with them for seven years and they keep saying no to me. And he said, Katie, get your ass on a plane and get back here. I'm telling you, this is it for you. And, and did he have I, insider information that he wasn't sharing? No, or he just had a feeling? no he, he just had a feeling. Very, very dear friend of mine, you know, Mark Millette. Yeah. And I went back and they, they had like 20 or 30 people. They were doing all these auditions for the kitchen and it was in Montclair, New Jersey. And they sent a car for me to take me to the audition. (laughs) This is hilarious. They sent a car. I go in and they have, everybody has to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And they have all these. They had all these different types of like fancy peanut butters and jams and breads and everything. And I, I used white bread, Jif creamy peanut butter and Welch's grape jelly. And I I talked about how that was the sandwich I always wanted when I was a kid, because my mom would always do like the healthy version of like the whole wheat bread that would take all the moisture out of your mouth, the natural peanut butter that was separated and the hundred percent fruit jam with no sugar. And I did it. And then they gave me a train ticket to the train station across the road to go back to New York. Like a limo to go and you got your ass on Amtrak to go New New Jersey transit to go home. Yes. And I called Mark and I said, well, I guess I didn't get it. I was the first person they sent home from my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And he he called the producers and said, what went wrong? What did Katie do? And they said, no, we really liked her and we just didn't want to waste her time. So we let her go home. That is And and I got it. So it was just before I was ready to say, okay, I'm going to move on and do something else. And also you were kind of leaning into your, uh, who you are, like your roots. I mean, I thought of West Virginia, when you said that, I thought that must've been like very like <laughs> West Virginia, you know? Yes. Yes. That was the sandwich I always dreamed of as a kid. <laughs> My mom never used craft like Parmesan cheese, you know, she's Italian. So it was always like the Parmesan or Reggiano and all of that. And I always wanted like the store-bought macaroni and cheese and she just wouldn't I- make it. I wanted a Lunchable more than anything. My mom thought that was the most ridiculous thing on the planet and I was never going to get it. (laughs) That is so funny. And then, so 
So that kind of started that the the second, would you say that that started your career? Yes. So the kitchen was absolutely the best thing that career-wise ever happened to me. And it changed everything for me. That show has now been on let's see, 2013. So we're at eight years and it's one of the highest rated shows on the network. And I am incredibly proud of it. I love the people I work with both on screen and off screen. We, I miss everybody so much. I can't wait to be able to go back and see everyone because it is like a family. Wow. And then I did Beach Bites, which was my travel beach show. And I walked into that first production meeting and said, Oh, that guy's really cute. This is going to be a problem. (laughs) And I ended up having a baby with him. (laughs) And you started a torrid love affair during the the shooting, right? Yes. Yes. I did everything. Yes. That is so cool. I mean, yeah. And that, I mean, the show was, I loved the show because if you like travel and food, you know, and easy food, like beach stuff, I thought it was so Mm -hmm. good. But the biggest success was meeting Ryan. Oh, the best. I mean, it changed my life professionally and personally. And we actually watched an episode of it the other night because we just downloaded Discovery Plus, which is the new streaming service for all the Discovery Networks, Food Network, HGTV, all that. And we saw that Beach Bites was on there and we downloaded the, or we streamed the first episode, just kind of like a walk down memory lane of the first days we were getting together it was so fun to watch and we thought oh we can show this to iris someday this is how mommy and daddy met how many days of filming before you actually like made your move on innocent ryan Mm, it was our second location oh wow (laughs) we started in mexico and then we went to key west i'm sorry we went to miami next and i and I told it, he told me about some Amaro liqueur he liked. And I sent him a text like, Oh, do you want to meet for an Amaro? Oh my and I, gosh. Told, I told Mark, my former agent, he's no longer an agent anymore. I told Mark that, Oh, I'm into this guy. And he said, you cancel that right now. You cannot do that. This is a your travel show. You can't be hooking up with a producer. So I sent him a text message back and said, Oh, actually I'm busy tonight, whatever. And then I, Next night, it was like, okay, forget it. <laughs> then you sent him a picture of Ryan, and he was like, go, girl. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. That is so funny. I For just anyone wanted- out there who doesn't know what Ryan looks like, Google him. I think he's the most handsome oh man on the planet. Look he's at him on Disney their wedding friend. day. But, I, okay, I, I'm not going to beat this to death, but year six and a half when you were fired from the show before and you still <laughs> haven't caught in your break, what are you telling – like? What are you telling yourself to keep going? Like, well, I mean, I was working. Okay. I, I had I had uh, a correspondent job. I was working on CBS's um, show called The Early Show. I would go in and do cooking segments there. I did segments on Extra, and I was writing, doing food stories in magazines. So I had a job. I just wanted I wanted my own thing. I wanted a Food Network show. That was right. what my high in the sky was and And I I finally got it I mean it yeah and it's great that like I don't know it just seems like sometimes that happens it's kind of like the story you were saying about um having Iris that like you know when you finally just were like let go and thought you know what I'll let it be Mm -hmm. what it will be they both kind of happened yeah people have asked me before about where do you see yourself in five years where do you see yourself in 10 years and I always say that I don't 
do that because I never would have known my path and, and how things would have happened. I've always just kind of, I work for something, but I let it happen. And I, my mantra is anything could happen. I get stuck in the details of right now. And I think that I, I do better when I can um, look ahead, you know, even if it's not like, where am I going to be? But just kind of thinking that the circumstances or whatever right now, even during COVID, it's not going to be like this forever. It's going to change. It's like, allow yourself to write a shitty first draft. Are you good at taking risks? Are you good at like, at setting yourself up for failure? I am good at stepping out of my comfort zone. How do you do that? I just do it. Okay. So, so whether, whether what, is it's the pay, what is the payoff? Because you want whatever it is bad enough, badly enough. That yeah. It's the risk reward and you have to take the risk to get the reward. So I always try to do things to push myself out of my comfort zone, whether it is in my career or if it's, I'm really afraid of heights and I went and signed up for the trap. Have you ever seen in Bridgehampton in the summer, how they do the trapeze there? I haven't seen it there, but I've seen it in, um, in, like in uh, Manhattan. So I, I, I went in Bridgehampton and I did the trapeze. So it was a way to step out of my comfort zone. And I had a blast doing it. And usually when you do something that makes you uncomfortable, you're really glad you did. Like I took uh, an improv class, a six week improv class at Upright Citizens Brigade, because that made me really uncomfortable. But I also felt like it made me a better TV host because I bet. It's about just saying what comes to your mind. And, and I think it makes you a better dinner party guest even because it gets you to talk. It's that principle of yes and. and that just works adding and so does tequila. They both. Yes, in, right? For every situation. <laughs> they both get I think anybody in, in an improv class helps you in any job. I, I think so too. It just helps you uh, pro- also just to probably be more in the moment. Yes. Yeah. I think that... Um, it is hard to take risks. I, there's certain things I feel like I'm afraid of heights and I'm not kind of just okay with it. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And even, I feel like even <laughs> if still, I did it, I don't want to do it again. Yeah. yeah. I'm still afraid of heights. Yeah. Well, do you know what your next thing is going to be? Do you have something on your mind that you want to um, over, like challenge your fear or challenge yourself? Hmm. No, I don't know. I guess I feel like every day is a constant challenge right now. Yeah. We're <laughs> staying staying awake. <laughs> Are you so tired? I am pretty tired. Yeah. She's a really good sleeper, but I still wake up a hundred times a night. Were you like super prepared and read every book and everything, or are you just kind of seeing how it goes in terms of I, parenting? I read everything, Google everything. I have to make myself stop a lot of times. It's like, I, what's my anxiety of the week going to be? Uh-huh. For a while, it was what was the right bedroom temperature? Um, then uh, what should I dress her in to go to bed? I mean, it's like everything is – I feel like I'm researching right now. I'm a naptologist. (laughs) And you can ask your mom, I'm sure like people, you know, like I ask all my friends who have babies. I am the the one who I want all the advice. I'm not necessarily going to take your advice, but I want to hear it. And I want to hear what you did. And then I'll make my decision about what I'm going to do. Actually, you've gotten kind of close to my sister and you guys never knew each other. It's so funny. I love your sister. Yes. Um, so your sister has helped me learn how to breastfeed. And I started talking to her before I even had Iris. We were doing FaceTimes 
your, your sister's seen a lot of me. Um, like, <laughs> Does my nipple look right? Uh, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> She's a lactation specialist, so that's the... Oh, yeah, we yeah. should tell her what, what she does. Katie's not just sending uh, nude pics. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So she's lactation consultant and has helped me so much. It's so cool. Um, mm-hmm. Katie, I could, I mean, obviously I could talk to you forever. I feel like I want to just come over. Um, I know. I said to Ryan, I wish we could be doing this in person. I know. I Hopefully soon. We have to like mm-hmm. make up for it. We're going to have the roaring 2020s. That's right. Just have one more question for you. Um, if you could go back in time and visit yourself, a younger Katie Lee. If you were to go up to yourself and tap yourself on the shoulder, what would you say and where would you meet yourself? How many times can I say yourself in a question? I should really (laughs) write the question down so it sounds better. (laughs) I think I'd go back to my 12-year-old self and say, uh, don't don't think about boys so much. (laughs) Really? Yes. Were you boy crazy? I was. I, I I longed for love. I just wanted to be in love so badly. And I just I, then consistently throughout my life from about 12 years old on, I would accept crumbs. Oh. And I should have I should have been holding out for the, the whole thing. And when I finally learned that that's how it should be, I, I got the I got the prince. Wow. I just can't hear that and move on. Why do you think that, that, that you were like that? Was it just, you were, came out that way? Yeah, I guess it just came out that way. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know if probably need years of psychoanalysis. Yeah. You just like the boys. I, I think a lot of girls are like that though. Like all of my girlfriends growing up were like that. And, and a boy wouldn't call you back, but you'd still then a couple of days later still take his call and, yeah. It, it's like when you get older right now, you get ghosted for two months and somebody pops back up and you go out with them again. No, like I wish I could go back and be like, F off. Yeah. And I think it keeps happening until you finally like deal with it. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, well you finally, you showed them. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I like that ending. Um, I liked that actually. Um, okay, so we're going to. And gonna I also play... would have said to myself <laughs> that the mean girls to just ignore them. Yeah. Well, you can do that now. There's Instagram. <laughs> Anybody in the comments, it's always an opportunity to, to uh, ignore. Exactly. Okay, here we go. I'm going to give you option A or option B, and you are going to choose one of the two. So the first okay. is uh, fish a steak? Uh, fish. Ooh. Um, croissant or cronut? Croissant. Breastfeeding or chicken breast? <laughs> Breastfeeding. <laughs> All day, every day. You like it, right? I do like it. Yeah. Never know. Um, pajamas <laughs> or black tie? Pajamas. Ina Gardner, or Martha Stewart? Oh, gosh. How can I choose? I, I'm... A fan of both. I know, me I too. Them. I love them both. They both are like so aspirational. I mean, oh, such queens. Yeah. Slippers or flip flops? Flip flops. Oh. Hawaiian- I dream of living somewhere where I can only wear flip flops and, and shorts every day. 
You're going to have to move to like Miami where you hit it off with Ryan. Hawaiian ribeye or Hawaiian pizza? Hawaiian ribeye. Yes, that's a Hillstone reference for those mm-hmm. who don't know. <laughs> white, wine, white wine spritzer or Elliot Spitzer? <laughs> white wine spritzer. <laughs> Amalfi Coast or Paris? Amalfi Coast. Ooh. Cuisinart or KitchenAid? Um, I have both. Yeah. Actually, that's they're like both a, amazing. That's like Ina Martha. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, nachos or narcos? Oh, Quinn, how do you ask me to choose? Can I have nachos while watching narcos? You can have it. I'll give that to you. <laughs> Instagram or Instapot? Instagram. And Gus or Iris? <laughs> <laughs> Iris. Uh, Sorry, I asked Bryce, I said, can I ask her that? And he's like, only if it comes across as humorous. <laughs> All right, Katie. I love you. I can't wait to see you in person. And um, I love you too. I can't uh, wait to give you a big hug. I know. And say hi to Iris and Ryan for me and Gus. And Mm -hmm. um, take care. Let's talk soon. All right. Thanks for having me on your show. Bye. Bye.